Ray Barreto uh, with a little number called Barreto Power. This is from the album titled Barreto Power, uh, released by Ray Barreto in 1970. Percussionist, band leader, and all around great human being uh, who, without much fanfare, played a lot of. Uh, he, he played so much into the burgeoning civil rights movement, people would uh, be stunned to believe. But in the music section, music sector, than any place else by bringing people together. Musicians, he played with a lot of musicians and uh, was a really great person. I say was because, of course, uh, he left us in 2006. He had uh, a terrible case of pneumonia after having surgery at a New Jersey hospital. He was 76 years old. His ashes were scattered both in New York City and Puerto Rico, two places he always talked about fondly that held a very special place in his heart. And, of course, he proved it by giving back so much to New Jersey and Puerto Rico. Ray Barreto. That's one of my favorites, and uh, I thought about him yesterday. Well, this is Lead Stories. I'm Eutrice Lead, and what are we talking about today? For one thing, I want to talk about something that went quite unnoticed, it seems to me, and that is the commemoration of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And the reason uh, was that it is no doubt, there is no doubt that the national observance of this particular holiday, I don't want to use the word holiday in the sense that most people use it. I want it to mean much more than that, uh, it seems to be diminishing. And why? It's perhaps because people are tired of it. They think it's old now. They think we've done enough. And they think we ought to, as they say, we ought to move on. Uh, major media didn't do very much about it. But I thought, you know, I just observed it. I observed the change. And there was a definitive change in the tenor of our times this time around. It's been 54 years since Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated on April the 4th, 1968, on a balcony of the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee. He had gone to Memphis 
to support sanitation workers on strike for equitable pay, safer working conditions, and better job opportunity, and to begin to organize on a national level advocacy efforts around the issue. He was called in, in other words, uh, and asked to begin this effort because even then there were, there were hints that people were not as enthusiastic for some reason in this kind of work and not appreciating the importance of it. It's like, okay, they want better jobs and want better pay, and yeah, that's great. Um, but we shouldn't really need to do it every year or finding some other excuse to say, well, we got the message. We got, thanks a lot, we got the message, and we think he was a really nice guy, a very good man. And then on to other things. Black workers and King had struck a decisive blow against economic apartheid in America. So why did this movement peter out? Why did it not have, or why still does it not have the force and the persuasiveness and the consciousness, spreading the consciousness that it used to have? That's a question. And it bears looking into because we are very ready, you know, to acknowledge that King was a great man and, and he was a wonderful human being and he won a lot of uh, prizes and commemorations for that. And that's not the issue, is it? The issue is here was a person, because we talk about this all the time in a critical way, who gave his life to this work. Here's a person who put his life on the line. And we've reached a point, I don't know if you sense it, but I certainly do. We've reached a point where people just say, well, sorry he died, but life goes on. What have we lost? What have we not understood about the importance of keeping alive not just a memory of people who played a major role in promoting those things that are good for mankind, but what have we lost when we sign on to this practice as well of forgetting set it aside. Yes, you know, we all know Dr. King and I have a dream and, and people start talking in those terms. Have you sensed that? Have you sensed that people have become jaded 
and now are moving on, as they say. They're moving on beyond that. They can't do this every year. They can't even uh, think about every year devoting a day to remembering and to recommitting to struggle. And after all, this wasn't, for most people, this wasn't a struggle at all. It was just demonstrating the recognition of it. And in so doing, you helped to promote the sanctity of it and of King's work. But it is still... It is not relegated to one person. This is this was a, an effort for everybody, everybody. So is it that people are believing now that, well, they've overcome this and they've done enough. They don't want to remember these sad moments. They give all kinds of excuses. I should say explanations from their point of view. I mean, how long are we going to go on with this recognition of Dr. King? It, it has to come to an end at some point. We can't be obsessed with it. It begins to damage our own psyche, some people have said. And I thought I would ask you, is it your impression that we've begun a kind of psychological separation from struggle. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to obsess about our collective condition. We don't want to hit the streets, not even to make a point. And we've done it enough, it's been done long enough that people should get just get the idea. And you leave it to the people to carry through, carry forward that idea. I noticed that particularly this year. I mean, the whole holiday, if you will, the whole effort was to remember, not to forget, but to remember, to emblazon in our minds that this, for many of us, was a major turning point in our collective lives. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white or what. But we've become numb to these things, it seems to me, unless I'm reading it wrong. And it is the American way. You can forget any tragedy within a prescribed amount of time and move on. There's no point in staying put and saying, no, 
I'm going to rest here a moment, and I'm going to ponder the significance of that which I did experience. I wasn't there personally, but I was there spiritually. And I, I'm still there in many ways. We seem to be under the impression that these issues have just disappeared. They no longer exist. And it is kind of a, some people would even say, it's insulting to continue on a yearly basis to remember. What we ought to do right about now is forget. We don't need to hobble ourselves. We are overwhelmed by tragedy and racism and all of its effects. We need to heal. And one way to heal is to move on. What do you think about that? What do you think about the fact that this year somehow the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King for many, way too many, was not significant. It's not an event that they should recall and should enshrine in their hearts and heads. They just need to move on. Have you moved on? Has our society moved on from that incredible, that unspeakable moment? Isn't that something we would want always to observe and remember? Are we diminished when we start to forget? When we overlook a very important date or a very important event, are we diminished when we just let it slide? I'm not suggesting that we go overboard here, but I'm saying, bar none, Martin Luther King Jr. was an extraordinary man. And it's not the man I'm celebrating or I'm thinking about when I talk about him. I'm talking about the miracle of galvanizing people, shaking them up, and forcing them to look at where collectively we are, wherever we are in the world. It's the same story. So it isn't a burden to say, okay, here is the date, and come whatever. I'll set aside some time simply to honor the legacy of this man and what he tried to do. But I looked around, and I, I said I would observe this year 
whether we have, in a sense, walked away from our duty and whether we came to the conclusion it was time to do so. Because after all, how long are we going to carry the psychological burden? We love King, we established that, now let's move on. Eight 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 seven four four eight 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 is the number to call. Then just express yourselves. Just ponder what I just said. What is your reaction? Have we or are we yielding this hard-won space? That space is holy. It is sacrosanct. And we're not trying to impress anybody. You're not impressed, you're not impressed. But we are trying to ritualize the respect that we ought to have. We pause and we think about a person who has done so much and who has given his very life. And it's not about the sales that the stores are having. It's not about, well, we put a couple of chairs together and we sit down and we sing We Shall Overcome, and that does it. Have we internalized the enormity of the struggle? Have we come to grips with it? Have we accepted that as oppressed as we are, as a people generally, look at the treasure that we have had among us. Look at our extraordinary luck to have prophets who literally give their lives to warn us to counsel us, to console us, to educate us, all in the name of getting closer and closer to true liberation. Is that not worth a special time? Take special time for that. Is that not worth it? This year... I really decided I was going to observe. Are we true servants of good? Are we true ambassadors? Are we rightful inheritors of this level of sacrifice? Are we worthy? That has nothing to do with King and what people think about King. It's about what we think of ourselves. How could we live in 
this particular condition that we're in, buffeted left and right and center by all these adverse conditions, and still have hope, still have a plan, still get up every morning and put one foot in front of the other, and you plan to achieve A, B, and C, and you make no connection whatsoever to the millions of people who went before us, who learned a thing or two the very hard way and did everything in their power to teach us, to inform us, to prepare us, and we don't even pause. We don't even pause to say thank you. I send you my heartfelt thanks today. I link myself with you today. I appreciate what you have suffered in our name today. Oh no, this is the United States. Well, you've got to move on. Because, of course, we are told what is to be important to us and what is not. King, it seems, it has been decided by some council or the other, King is, you know, it's, it's nice to remember him, but it, don't go overboard. Get on with your life. Put him in the distant past. Put his lessons in the trash can. That's where I wanted to, to go today, to ask you, when you stop and think about it, was the commemoration of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King this year particularly sad, noteworthy for what it did not do for us as a collective. White, black, brown, everybody. We seem to show no appreciation this year. And it's been coming for a while. Let's take this break and right after that, get into your questions and comments at 888-874-4888. Right after this. You're listening to Lead Stories on PRN.FM. I'm Eutrice Lead, and we are in the mode of chastising ourselves. You may or may not want to join the group, <laughs> chastising uh, and upbraiding ourselves and having a come-to-Jesus meeting here on the air uh, or come-to-King meeting. Um, is it your feeling, this is 
was my feeling. I waited around and looked around and listened and I got that sense that a signal has been sent, been sent to move on. Get on with your life. King is already dead. Ed from Queens, you start us off today. Good afternoon, Beatrice. How are you? Good, good. I'm okay. Good afternoon to you, too. Yeah. Um, I share your sentiments. I mean, I've always viewed King's birthday and the date of his assassination as a commemorative day of service. Um, when I was coming up as a child, my father used to uh, press upon the fact that the Reverend King not only was for civil rights, but he was for poor people's rights. He was a unifying force. And uh, we would commonly go down and volunteer at a soup kitchen. This year after work, I went down on uh, Jamaica Avenue, volunteered at, uh, at the soup kitchen off of Parsons Boulevard. I mean, I've, I've been noticing this lackluster response to certain uh, events that should be held in reverence. Uh, Malcolm X's death, Martin Luther King's assassination, Malcolm X's assassination, um, even the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey's birthday and, and, and uh, passing. We don't have that sense of community anymore. We don't have that sense of commonality. We've, this society has been dumbed down to an extent to where nothing matters. You know, nothing has any reverence or any, my opinion, nothing has any reverence or importance outside of the immediate need. And uh, we've become a a nation of instant self-gratification. And we're losing the ability to reflect earnestly on the lessons of the past. I mean, uh, King was, was, was a great unifier. The Poor People's March, the Poor People's Campaign. The, uh, the opposition to the war in Vietnam, his 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 coming out of the role of a civil rights leader to a human rights representative, to the ability to encompass everyone on a commonality that we should have a better quality of life and we should expect more out of this government and more out of ourselves than than just the status quo. And I think that America has lost that that insight, that ability to. To, to access the angels of our better nature. So what should we do to hold on to it? Well, I mean, first of all, you've got to educate people. A lot of the younger generation outside of even some people in my generation don't really know what King was about. You know, I have a dream speech, and that's it. They know the sound bite that's presented on his birthdays. And, and now, not, it used to be on the day of his assassination, you would have radio programs, um, uh, uh, television programs dedicated to his life, dedicated to the, to the controversy around his assassination. Because if you really want to look at the, the, the assassination plot, it bears witness that uh, the government was totally involved in it, and it was a setup. That and, and what and what truly was lost was the movement, the, the 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 possibility that people would come together and force this government to do what it pledges it should do, the Poor People's Campaign, the process of the Poor People's March. You can't 
you can't let one man or one individual encompass an entire movement. But by the same token, you can't forget his sacrifice. You just you disrespect his sacrifice by dis- disregarding the movement, and that's what happens. I mean, the, the day should be a day commemorating what he was standing for and the potential of what he was going to achieve, what we could have achieved if we had persevered and stayed the course and not allowed the death of one man to kill the dream, the real dream of a of, of, an, of an equal government presenting the, the hope and prosperity to its people. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for your insight. Thank you. Jeremiah from New York, you're on the air. Pleasure to talk with you today, Eutrice. I don't know what happened, but um, Ed was was inaudible for the first portion of his comments. Um, Dead air. Yeah, somehow. So I I hope I'm being heard. I could hear the second portion or, you know, the later portion of what he was saying clearly. But when you mentioned Dr. King, who was actually um, a friend of my grandmother's, uh, the late Marie Lee McBroom, uh, you know, so many things come to mind. Dr. King was really a hero of mine, one of my all-time heroes. Uh, I remember my third grade teacher, Miss Wells, sharing the, the legacy of King with the third grade class, and I remember her just crying openly in the class about, you know, what his loss meant to her personally. But when I think of Dr. King, it's just like a good friend of mine said about the great Jimi Hendrix. He said, you know, it's such a mistake to talk about Jimi Hendrix in terms of being a great guitar player. Jimi Hendrix was a creative force. He was one of the great poets of the 20th century. And I think the same thing of Dr. King in terms of it's so incorrect to reduce him to being a civil rights leader. I mean, being a civil rights leader is a great accomplishment unto itself. But Dr. King was one of the great philosophers of history, and he was one of the greatest orators of human history. I mean, the resounding quality of his voice, his eloquence, his learnedness is, you know, unlike anything the human race has ever seen, as far as I could tell. And when I think of Dr. King, I think of many things, but one of the important feelings of his message was that notion of an injustice to one is an injustice to all. And it troubles me how we concern ourselves selectively about particular issues. We're such bleeding hearts about particular issues. And then we turn around and we act totally callous about other issues. And that really troubles me. I think we should all have a real feeling of human dignity that emanates from ourselves, first of all, but that we extend to every human person. And we should be really offended when people are being injured or oppressed in any way. And that's what I I think of when I think of Dr. King is that we really need to have each other's backs and we need to really care about each other. And, you know, it's not just about um, whatever particular demographic we belong to, but it's a universal sense of the human race. So that's my contribution. Do you get a sense, like I said, um, for me, I got it this year very, very poignantly 
that he is being dismissed from our collective history. Yeah, I think he's been dismissed and defanged for a long time. I think Dr. King was one of the great radicals of history as well. And I think the media, the American media, enjoys commercializing him. And again, like Brother Ed said, reducing him to I have a dream when he was so much more than that. And he was a real champion of human rights. And I think if we really let the cat out of the bag in terms of all that Dr. King was about, it would undermine many of the same corporations and political figures who try to invoke him disingenuously to sort of score, you know, PC points or whatever to try to appear like nice guys when in fact what they do politically, economically is a contradiction of what Dr. King stood for. I think that's been going on for a long time. For you personally, when this time comes around every year, what do you feel? Well, you know, I, one of my best friends, his father hosts an annual King Day event. So, you know, I'm a lot more cognizant, I must say, of his birthday than I am of his assassination. Um, so that's sort of my King reset point is the annual King Day Festival that uh, one of my best friend's fathers has hosted for many years, and I've attended many of those events. So it's really you um, making me aware at this moment of, you know, the anniversary of his assassination in a way that uh, I can't say that I am typically. Thank you so much for your contribution, Jeremiah. Made some good points here. Saint from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Yes, good afternoon, Eutrice. How are you? Okay, thank you. Good afternoon to you. Okay, I uh, I want to back into your question because I do remember the Reverend Martin Luther King because if not for him, I would not have received a full scholarship to attend NYU. So he has a special meaning in my heart for him every time his name is mentioned and every time he's memorialized on his holiday. And to answer the second part, what, you know, I think you're correct about the uh, fact that we're, you know, we forget, you know, he's like, uh, you know, placed at the back of the line in terms of our memory, not only Dr. King, but a lot of, uh, of our black heroes, you know, it's not really brought to the forefront so our children could really study him and understand, you know, and learn from our history in the past so it can help our children to have a pave a better way for their future. So in terms of solution, I was thinking about there used to be a, uh, a channel on, um, I guess, on the Internet. It was called BET. Black Entertainment yes. tele Television, and it was very popular. I mean, all levels of life uh, of age, you know, gravitated to it and watched it. 
and it was feeding all types of information. Now, they, I think, when I say they, I think the, um, the, uh, I don't want to call them enemies or the uh, people who want to hold back black progress, let's say like that. You know, they, they bought the station out from, uh, I believe his name was Johnson, who owned it. Yes, and Robert they, Johnson. Robert Johnson. And that was the greatest crime. I mean, he sold out for money. He didn't know what he sold because actually that was that was like our own uh, CNN, you know, and we could rally around BET for all types of information from uh, entertainment to politics to the news to, you know, and that could have spread out to be our own, like our own, like um, uh, the African-American CNN. So we didn't have to really rely on other sources, you know, telling us how to think and who we are. So I think if we, if our techs out there can put together another uh, maybe call it the African-American History Channel, you know, uh, where we can have all of our heroes, all of our black heroes presented during certain times during the year in all different forms. That would be a great educational tool for the up-and-coming youngsters from kindergarten all the way up. But, you know, I take your point. I take your point, but at the same time, one of the things that concerns me is that as a group, as a, an, an, uh, a specific group with a specific history, and King being representative of the full spectrum of our experience, I did sense that we have yielded, we have followed the instructions and continue to follow the instructions to marginalize people we should never forget. And for good reason that we should never forget. And uh, this year to me was more so than any other year recently that there was this universal setting aside of King. And it struck, I was waiting to see, waiting. There were no special programs and I didn't see evidence of, of the desire to recall. And in, in our tradition, that itself has power. A person never dies as long as you remember the person. Uh, and in a particular way, we have stopped doing that. And I was wondering whether this was a sign that the powers that be have decided it's time to move on and we don't need to stop here much too, much too much longer. Yeah, I think you're correct. You're very correct in that statement. Uh, that's why they have a statement that uh, truth unrehearsed 
is soon forgotten. So the only way we can have a rehearsal of our great leaders is to create a platform so they can always be remembered, you know, on their, not only on their birthdays, uh, on, and different, different holidays and different, different meanings can be attached to them, and we can have that running all year long. But we have to have that platform because, uh, you know, what you don't... I see your point. I see your point. Yeah. Thank you for contributing today. Thank you. Leona from Michigan, you're on the air. Greetings, Eutrice, and greetings to your audience. Thank you, um, and to you, too. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you brought this subject up because uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important question and observation. And I, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit pleased to, to, to uh, report the fact that um, uh, I did take some action to help acknowledge the uh, anniversary of Dr. King's assassination on April 4th. On April 3rd, what I did was I, I sent out a, uh, an email to folks on my email list uh, with a PDF copy of the complete transcript of the Martin Luther King Jr. assassination conspiracy trial that took place on uh, November 14, no, November 15, 1999 to December 6, 1999. Uh, that, that transcript, I had originally retrieved it in April 2017 from the King Center website. However, it, it seems to be unavailable on the website now for some reason. So um, the, the transcript is uh, about 2,700 pages, PDF document. And uh, there was also a, uh, a transcript from the King family press conference that took place on December 9th, 1999 in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, they had a press conference on the MLK assassination trial verdict. That, too, for some reason, doesn't seem to be available on the King website right now. Uh, but um, I was thinking of Dr. Martin Luther King that day and uh, glad that I had saved that a copy of that transcript, glad that I was able to distribute it to uh, some folks on, on uh, you know, well, on April 3rd. But, uh, but you know, it was interesting um, what, well, I wa there were four paragraphs out of that transcript that I wanted to share. I don't know if there's time, but uh, from Dr., not from Dr., but from Coretta Scott King. But, but, but let me say this. I, I remember uh, when Martin Luther King, the day that I learned that he had been shot and assassinated, I, I remember it because it was, um, you know, like the first time I, had, I, I saw my, uh, my mother and my stepfather uh, share what I know now it was a genuine moment of sorrow and, and tears. They were both broken up behind it. And, and uh, you know, I was a youngster, but, but, but I remember that. And um, I remember them both saying, I knew they were going to kill him. I knew they were going to kill him. And um, you know they, you know they they were they were, were tearful about it. But then, but then later I, I saw them tears, you know, turn into anger. They got they got 
they got they got mad about it. And uh, uh, but that's another conversation. In fact, as I recall, all over the country, over 125 different cities, people were mad about it. And th- th- there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, I guess they called them riots. But you know, a lot of uh, buildings being burned, people in the street, uh, some people being hurt, uh, some killed. You know, there was a pretty strong reaction in a number of cities across this United States of America after, uh, like Nina Simone said, the king of love is dead. Um, the other thing uh, I wanted to... But all these years, all these years later, what is your estimation of the aggregate feeling in communities of color especially, but not exclusively, what is your feeling about the recognition of this being permanently stamped in people's minds as a very important day? Um, well, my, 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 my feelings and my limited observations, it seems like it's another, you know, um, I don't know, people, well, some people appear to be uh, um, getting uh, grant money to do these uh, celebrations. It's meaningless to some, to some people. It's about the money for some, I, I think. Because, uh, you know, one, 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 one organization sent out an email saying they were going to redo the, they were going to celebrate Martin Luther King's uh, speech at Riverside Church, the one he did in 1967, about mm-hmm. Vietnam, the Vietnam War, they had the doggone date wrong. They had they they called it the 65th anniversary of the uh, of the speech, where it wasn't. They were 10 years off. I thought that was a bit careless to to um, to. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I guess it's the nature of uh, the social relations that come about because of perhaps a system of uh, well. I, I know it's it's happening under the system of racism, white supremacy, but in addition to that, the, the system of capitalism, um, you know, how it how people can don't seem to be able to relate to each other unless there's money involved. So it's a moneymaker for, for some people and organizations. These these annual celebrations, these um, these uh, you know, and, and 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 it may even be a form of psychological warfare too to have people sitting thinking in a certain mindset. Because a lot of people, I imagine, didn't know in 1999 that there was that trial. And in, in the trial, the jury, uh, Mrs. King said, the jury was clearly convinced by the extensive evidence that was presented during the trial, in addition to uh, Mr. Jowers, the, compir- the conspiracy of the mafia, local, state, and federal government agencies were deeply involved in the assassination of my husband. Quote, unquote. That was Mrs. King talking. And she was saying how James L. Ray was not the shooter, but he was set up to take the plane. That's what, this, uh, that's what the jury found. And, they, and she also said that they, pursu- they pursued the case because um, uh, those who were responsible for the assassination were not held to account for their involvement. And uh, she also said that, you know, her husband once said, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. 
And she adds, today, almost 32 years after my husband and, and the father of my four children were assassinated, I feel that the jury's verdict clearly affirms this principle. With this faith, we can begin the 21st century and the new millennium with a new spirit of hope and healing, end of quote. But I, I imagine that the transcript for the press conference and the transcript of the trial itself are probably available at the King Center in Atlanta. However, I couldn't find it on the website anymore. But And then mm-hmm. there's this guy named William Pepper who wrote this book called The Plot to Kill King, The Truth Behind the Assassination of Martin Luther King, Jr. Uh, that's an interesting read, too. <laughs> Gee, uh, I digress. But listen, here's the other thing real quick. Just as an aside, uh, Congressman Adam Clayton Powell, he died on April 4th, 1972, four years later. So I, I don't know if, he, if, his, uh, if he's remembered enough either, but that, that's an aside. I don't know if I answered your question. No, he's not remembered enough. I can, I can say that because uh, it struck me, too, that so many people who contributed so much are just erased from history. And more importantly, erased from uh, being significant in particular communities that desperately need something or someone as a reference point for where they too should go. Thank you so much for your comments today. Thank you. Lincoln from New York, you're on the air. Hi, good day, Eugene. Hello. Good day to you. The marginalization of Martin Luther King began with the election of Barack Obama. After Barack Obama got elected, black people started undermining the work of Martin Luther King. They hoisted Obama above, above him. And he was a tool used to actually marginalize not only Martin Luther King, but also Malcolm X. There is a picture that goes around, and you see, it's a caption of, you know, like, it's, you have a picture of Mandela, a picture of someone else, then Martin Luther King somewhere in the picture, and finally you focus on Obama. And what they did was they used glitz to capture us, glitz and glamour, rather than substance. They confused the substance of Martin Luther King and the substance of Malcolm X with the glitz and glamour of hope and change. And, you know, it is all, it, it is sad. But going back to what you say, how we... I think we selectively remember wrongs and tragedies. I keep, and I'll never stop, speaking about Gaddafi. And to forget Martin Luther King is, is, is no worse than forgetting the murder of this man who did so much for Africa. So they've been marginalizing all our great African leaders, and they use glitz and glamour because they know that most times we do not go for substance, 
but rather what deacons. Thank you. Hmm. Thanks for your contribution today, Lincoln. You're welcome. As we come close to the end of the program, I just want to wind up by saying, I raise a question today, not to get anybody angry, but to certainly poke, poke, in, poke you in the ribs to say, do not allow your consciousness of what's important to you. Do not allow it to be disappeared the way so much of our lives have been disappeared. We're not in the history books. We're not anywhere. This year, for whatever reason, it was more profound to me in my observation of what nationally constituted the news. And it happens to be you know, more than half a century of this. And it, is, it appears that the program has worked very well and continues to work very well. You forget even those people who took a keen interest in our lives and who traded their lives for our welfare. And we can't be casual about that. We can't let that ride. We have to bear witness ourselves. And how are we going to do that if we if we let history, the history that is written, it may not be the correct history, and we challenge nothing, we advocate nothing, we just let it be. We should take a stand right now and stop it. In our own homes, in our own communities, in, even in the workplace, we should let people know, today I'm not going to do such and such. Today is a day of solace for me. I have to keep myself together today because I'm observing a very important uh, loss that we suffered. And always remember that you, you're teaching everybody by what you do and what you say. It's vitally important to pass this education along for yourself, for those you know and love. It's vitally important. Thanks so much for your comments today and for listening. And we'll come back to each other tomorrow. Bye-bye.